Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, for this fifth Sunday of Lent, we have an extraordinary gospel. It's taken from the 12th chapter of the Gospel of John, and it's one of the most succinct and most terrible summations of the Christian message. Let me read to you from the beginning of this gospel passage, because getting the setting for it, I think, is very important. Among those who had come up to worship at the feast of Passover were some Greeks. They approached Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and put this request to him. Sir, we should like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Philip and Andrew, in turn, came to inform Jesus. As is fitting for our liturgical season, this takes place just a few days before Jesus' passion and death. It's the feast of the Passover, and all the tribes are going up to the holy city of Jerusalem. You know, I've told you often before that for first century Jews, there were no strong distinctions between the religious, the cultural, and the political. All was of a piece. The temple, I mentioned last week, the temple was the place where all of these elements came together. Something similar now in this feast of the Passover. Think of some combination of Thanksgiving Day parade, the county fair, a political campaign, and Holy Week all rolled into one. That's what it was like as all these tribes. Yes, from Palestine itself, but as this gospel suggests, even some Jews who were from Greek-speaking countries were coming up to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, whenever large groups of people get together in this festive atmosphere, what will they be talking about? I'll be talking about the latest gossip, the latest political intrigues, and in this case, undoubtedly, they will be talking about this extraordinary figure, Jesus from Nazareth, who has been performing great deeds, who's been speaking in a way that's as compelling as Isaiah and Jeremiah, and who just prior to this passage raised Lazarus from the dead. Oh, they must have been talking about him. What were they saying? The new Messiah, undoubtedly. The new king, probably. The one who will liberate Israel, most likely. In fact, the little clue here that the Greeks were eager to see him has a very, to me, political overtone. This important group 
These outsiders are so intrigued by Jesus that they too want to talk to him. See it now from Jesus' perspective. He has reached, undoubtedly, the high point of his career, the high point of his life, coming up to Jerusalem, all these crowds around him, even the Greeks who want to see him. They undoubtedly want to make him king. This is his moment. Think of Jesus here almost as a, as a media star. Think of him as a politician reaching the high point of his career. Here is his moment. What does he say? What's his response? The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. That must have been music to their ears. Yes, yes, that's just what we want. Now is the moment for you, the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Son of David. This is the moment for you to be glorified. We're behind you. We're with you. We want you to be the new David. We want you to be the new Solomon. Yes, your hour has come. And this is after a long period of delayed gratification. How often in Jesus' life, they wanted to make him king, but he said, my hour has not yet come. They wanted a great sign, but my hour has not yet come. Now it's come. Yes, this is the hour for the Son of Man to be glorified. These political, religious hopes of the people are going to be fulfilled. But then, as we'd expect in John's Gospel, the unexpected happens. Jesus rarely does what the crowds want and expect him to do. Listen now what he says. I solemnly assure you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Trust me when I tell you this is not what they wanted to hear. <laughs> We're glorifying you. Your moment's come. You're the new David. You're coming up to the holy city. And you're talking about falling to the earth and dying. We've had plenty of death, thank you very much. They must have been thinking. The glory days of David and Solomon are a long time ago. We've been under the oppressive boot of the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Greeks and now the Romans. We want you to be the Messiah who will liberate us. That's why we're streaming behind you. And you are speaking about falling to the earth and dying. He goes on. The one who loves his life loses it, while the one who hates his life in this world preserves it to life eternal. What? They must have thought. What? We're offering you the fullness of life. We're offering you the best thing you could ask for. You are going to be the new king of Israel. 
and you're talking about hating your life, your life has just reached its fulfillment. What gives? What gives here? What's Jesus about? As he turns their expectations upside down. Listen again to him. Now has judgment come upon this world. Now will the prince of this world be driven out. The world, the world, in John's Gospel always has a double sense. On the one hand, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The world stands for the creation that God loves. But Jesus here is using world in the second negative sense. The world is the realm of sin and death. The world is the realm of self-absorption. The world is the realm dominated by violence and hatred and division. Judgment has come upon this world. That's what Jesus announces, listen, when he gets to the high point of his life, when he's ready to be glorified, what he announces and embodies is judgment upon the world. More to the point, the prince of this world will be driven out. The word in the Greek there is archon, the archon, the prince, the first thing, the principle, if you will. What holds the world together is going to be driven out. For Jesus' glory, listen now, for Jesus' glory does not mean glory in the eyes of the world. Fame, worldly power, domination, me against you, me over you, those are all the marks of the world. Undoubtedly, the crowds that swirled around him, probably these Greeks that came to see him, that's what they had in mind. Jesus is saying, no, in my hour of glorification, the prince, the principle of this world will be driven out. What's the sign of it? Listen to him. And I... Once I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Lift it up. Yes, the crowds probably thought, that's what we have in mind. We want to lift you up as king of the world. What does Jesus mean? Lifted up on his cross. Lifted up on his cross. When that happens, he will draw the whole world to himself around a new king and a new kind of kingship. Not domination, not violence, not me over you, but rather a new kingship of love and compassion and self-emptying. Let's specify it further, going back to that image. Unless the grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies. It remains just a grain of wheat. What's the law of the seed, the grain of wheat? That it has, as it were, its life in it. But unless that grain of wheat breaks open, mixes with the earth, 
it remains only itself. You know, they find seeds in the tombs of the pharaohs, plants and so on that were buried with the pharaohs. They find them thousands of years later. And those seeds are still alive. If you plant them, they'll grow. But the point is, for all those years, they remained just themselves. Only when they die, when they break open to mix with the soil, do they become the great plant or the great tree. What's Jesus saying? How the prince of this world, the prince of this world teaches us to cling to ourselves. Hang on to yourself, your glory, your prerogatives, your privileges. Defend yourself at all costs. What will happen? Oh, you'll be great in the eyes of the world, but in fact, you'll never come to life. When do you come to life? When you, like Jesus, allow yourself to die in a great act of love that breaks open your life. Then you're alive. Then, like Jesus, you are lifted up. Then, like Jesus, you are glorified and you become a source of life for all those around you. As we approach the passion, as we approach the celebration of Jesus' death, we are being called here to a new life and to a new glory and to a new way of being. It's not about what the world says. Cling into yourself. It's about falling to the earth in a great act of love and allowing your life to break open. Then, like Jesus, you will come to life and be a source of life. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Word on Fire is brought to you in part by Catholic Cemeteries. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago Cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries serving the Catholic community since 1837.